Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. You're tuning in listening to the Cinematic Odyssey here on United to the Most. Uh, we, well, I just watched at the time of recording this Princess Mononoke, the film we're going to be talking about uh, by the master of animation cinema, Hayao, or Hayao, Hayao Miyazaki. I don't know. I may be saying his first name wrong, but uh, his film from 1997, the film before uh, his most famous work, Spirited Away. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, wow. Incredible. I mean, it's always the same reaction with all of his movies. I'm like, wow, that was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the dude, the dude is just wonderful. The, the images he produces like his his mind is like on a whole nother level uh just his imagination and the kind of worlds that he creates um are just stunning and you know the stories that he tells within those worlds are just moving like very moving um but yeah uh what did you think i i thought it was really cool it, it this is it's my first exposure to Miyazaki in the last 10 years um my exposure with um this style of animation and studio ghibli and all that uh um style like uh i i'm fairly certain that in my life i've seen spirited away and i've seen my neighbor totoro but it's been so long that I honestly cannot like imagine me in fourth grade that's what we're like using as a reference for this so there's no appreciation there's just kind of is it interesting enough to an 11 year old yeah Uh, coming and watching uh Princess Mononoke that was it was very cool I mean just the beauty of the animation it looks as though instead of, you know, being hand-drawn or uh, computer-generated, it almost looks like it's painted. Mm-hmm. And I I, th- I think that just that touch makes it more like a work of art and less of, you know, movie. More like a flip book, like um, where you've got all the images drawn in on the, on the corner yeah. and you're watching it go. I mean, I, I, it, was, it was beautiful. Oh, I know. And um, I, I was not, I will say, I was not expecting it to be so violent. Yep. No, me neither. Kind of shocked by the violence. Yeah. Um, I mean, it certainly plays into some themes of the film, like, you know, kind of hatred and conflict between, you know, humans, but also greater conflict between man and earth and how you know us as humans proliferate earth is that even the, am i even using the right word there but that's uh, the right word exploit exploit the earth it's of its natural resources so we can advance ourselves and advance technology and all these sorts of things and um kind of like uh yeah like it, i think miyazaki's kind of like going off this anti-industrial revolution sort of talk i think to a certain extent 
um but more so like i think um you know us as humans were we take such great advantage of the earth and its resources and what it what it is and its beauty take take for granted its beauty and and the life that it holds and we destroy it mm-hmm. and uh we don't care for it which is what we're seeing in real life uh, today or I almost want to disagree with you in that it doesn't uh it's not anti-human and anti-progress um as the you know the main character Ashitaka he plays both sides very frequently and oh. assists the um the deer god he assists the wolves he assists everybody in, on the side of nature to uh, preserve what they would like and keep people from expanding, but also works to save humans and preserve human life as they are also entitled to live and, and use the environment as they need. Um, like, I almost... Like, th- this is a grave oversimplification, but I feel like it's the Lorax if the Lorax were out for blood. Like, if the Lorax were just, had a just lust for vengeance and violence, that is Princess Mononoke. Oh, and, like, a lot better. Uh, well, yeah, but hey, fewer musical numbers, no Betty White, trade-offs. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bunch of trade-offs that we're, that we're getting here. <laughs> but... <laughs> The the environmental uh, preservation and the impact of humans on the environment is, like you said, com- totally obvious. And, and how we we seek to destroy uh, there's that piece of it. I mean, there was that part in my the back of my head that was like, "Ooh, capitalism bad." And just yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah, because it it wasn't just like the one mill that was the one iron forge that was having a a good time it's the fact that it could massively boom in that spot that spot and then overpopulate just like the um i'm gonna make the lorax reference just like the one slur in the lorax you get rid of all the trees you get rid of all the space you set up more factories you produce more of your your goods but you have no uh fail safe you have no backup you have no way to uh put what you've taken back because yeah. you know, the onceler could have run an, an, a very profitable uh business for eternity had he just planted truffula trees as he cut them down uh like this whole a lot of the conflict and a lot of the death could have been avoided had the ironworks understood uh, and um i'm gonna Pull up her name because I know I'm going to either forget it or butcher it. Iboshi. Yeah, that's Sorry, the one. Iboshi. She, if she were conscious of the impact that she were leaving and she were planting tr- the trees that she would take down, I mean, if she were respectful to that, maybe this wouldn't have happened. But I think a lot of this com- does come from like the, the struggle in that both neither want the other to, to stay there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because, like, not only are the humans violent towards nature, but nature is, like, you know, pretty much bringing out that same exact energy towards the humans. <laughs> exactly. It's so, it's so funny to see the animals talk, and they're like, I want to rip your head off. Yep. Let me rip your head off. I want to I wanna kill them all. You go over <laughs> there and kill the humans over there. You know, don't kill our humans. We want to kill the humans here. I mean, yeah. So violent. What is it's so funny, though. I don't know. I mean, I'm like, on one hand, I'm like, whoa, that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty wild. But on the other hand, I, I I find it kind of funny. I mean, it is a little funny. Like, if we were to make it a, a slightly more campy film, uh, you could just be like that that like that father disapproving father shakes head at child who just did something stupid i would rip your head off yeah yeah <laughs> i would i would i would crush your head between my teeth says mama wolf <laughs> actually you know the one thing that was going through my head a lot during this huh. the mama birding of of bacon <laughs> no it's mom. like one moment where Ashitaka is recovering from uh, the healing, I think, yeah. uh, of the deer god, and he can't chew. Oh, that's and right. So and... They get baby birded. He gets baby birded uh, the food. Oh, that's I... right. Yeah. <laughs> I. <laughs> it lived in my head for just a little bit. I'm like, oh, mama bird. Nice. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Princess Mononoke. Um, you know, when I was, uh, reading up on it, um, I completely rem- forgot that Miyazaki's releasing his last film this year. Last one? His last film. Ooh. The Boy and the Heron. Uh, it's already released in Japan. Of course it is. Um, and it released about a month ago, but there's not really much information as to when it will release in the U.S. The only thing I kind of got off of that was it'll be premiering at tiff on -hmm. september 7th uh toronto international film festival so it'll probably release in the u.s like at the end of september october november like probably in the winter of of this year um it'll probably release but yeah that's gonna be his last film yeah want to go to toronto (laughs) yeah <laughs> you know let me get some let me get some tickets let me just become a a member of the the press real quick <laughs> the film press yeah why not get invited yeah we maybe you can't i don't know if it, i don't know if it's like con where you have to be invited to go Ooh. or you, if you could just like show up and buy tickets to watch the film because i know i know sundance does that you like you can go and watch the films you don't have to be a member of the industry to like sh- watch the premieres there but um either way yeah but i completely forgot about that film because there's been no marketing been nothing the only reason i know about you i was looking at his filmography on letterbox like earlier this year and i saw the poster for it i was like oh and then i added it to my watch list but then i completely forgot about it and then i learned about it again and the only marketing material that they that they've done 
is release the poster. That's it. No trailer, no interviews, no nothing. Just the poster of the film, and that's it. Um, oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it's Miyazaki's last film. It's going to freaking... It's going to be amazing. I know that much. But uh, either way, yeah, so, you know, Princess Mononoke, it opens up pretty you know, fast in terms of, like, what is revealed to us. Yeah. You know, it's, like, demon thing possessed, like, a hog. Um, boar, yeah. Or hog, a boar. Um, Mamma mia. Yeah. I'd, uh, it's pretty It's pretty terrifying. Um, and we meet our protagonist, one of, yeah, our protagonist's prince um ashitaka and he kills the boar saves his village but the boar part of the like the kind of this it's like this big black blob constructed by these like 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 large tubes that flail around you know it, it, i don't know it's it, it looks like they're like they look gla- they look like glass yeah it's black very it's very kind of has this like kind of terrifying look to it like very scary look to it um and uh a part of that latches onto his arm and he is cursed and so he's sent on this like journey to get cured of the curse and on this journey he meets princess mononoke or san is her name and then her her like wolf brothers and her mother is was also a wolf we meet uh like this faction of people this like group of people who um are led by lady iboshi and she has this huge like kind of town village thing where they create iron from sand and in order to get the sand they have to cut down trees and so there's that like you know as you mentioned that lorex-esque kind of storyline there but um yeah and then there's also a dude who's a hunter he hunts animals and he comes back later but yeah, and then there's also samurai. So there's that element too. People fighting people. Um so I mean, I mean there's lots of different kind of things going on at the same time in terms of what the story. I mean, the story is pretty linear. I mean, it's not like confusing or anything. Right. But in terms of like the different kind of aspects of it, it's pretty um varied. Yeah. And I, I think what I respect about it too is that they don't over explain a ton of things. They do leave you guessing and wondering how is this all going to tie together as the film progresses. Yeah. But each, I think each faction, each department that is, you know, receiving significant screen time has its own goals and, and ideas ready and, and, and developed and prepared we we kind of understand how each group gets to where they are and why they can't act a different way um you know the wolves 
fight against Lady Eboshi and her compound and because they are deforesting their spot of the forest. Um, the boars are angry in their section and want to take out all the humans, especially the one that uh, the ones that killed uh, one of their big boars, the uh, Nago, who was the one who got the curse all over Ashitaka. Um, you've got the, that samurai from the Lord. Uh, I know. I, I don't even know if they named him Asano, maybe. I know, yeah, Asano. But they um, they are coming for Lady Eboshi, and they want the land. They want to take it, uh, because he's a big feudal lord. Like this is thirteen hundreds Japan. Um, yeah. He wants to he wants to come in and take over that land and and run it himself. So they she has to fight that on that front. You've got the emperor wanting immortality and and you know the mandate from heaven. And by that, he wants the deer god's head. You've got the wolves protecting that. He has the hunter going out to go get the head um, with the blessing of the some of the samurai because, you know, people in power like each other. It's it's very, very well developed. And they don't ever, you know, sit you down and lay out a map of everybody. You kind of have to be following each thread as, you know, it gets picked up, which I, I really respect in the storytelling aspect of this. Yeah, there's no like exposition. There's no like one character telling another, okay, this is what's happening. You yeah. know, spoon feeding you like all this information. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's told through. I mean, this is kind of a very expected thing from Miyazaki. I mean, he does this in all of his films visual storytelling. I mean, that's kind of his moniker. He tells, he tells most of his story through the, the visuals that he creates um and you know it's always stunning it's always an amazing thing to watch and look at and you know sit and stare at um because like you know you get a very there's a very clear contrast of the beauty of the forest like that where the deer god kind of walks around and in comparison to the very industrialized like grayish dark um place of the ironworks village where eboshi and his like her entire clan kind of reside and you get yeah you get the very clear contrast of like you know the beauty and the beauty being destroyed um and regard you know regardless of like their motives i mean we we get we get a glimpse of that from her basically saying you know, we want to, I want to look at all these untapped riches we have in front of us, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and like the composition, I, you know, it's also interesting, like the, the composition of her character in terms of she's sort of like, uh, like egalitarian kind of, sort of. Not really. I don't know. In some ways, like everyone, everyone, including the women, like contributes to, like the women are in like traditional, mm. the traditional like gender role. That's where I thought you were going with this. Yeah, they're not. They're not like cooking for the men or whatever, like taking care of children because there aren't really any children in this film. Not really. No. Um. 
And we, we see it when the samurai are attacking a village. But, like, in that camp, there aren't any. Yeah. It's, it's just the women and men. Because she, there was, uh, there was a character who mentioned that Iboshi buys women out of slavery. Um, but then, funnily enough, they're, like, doing hard labor in the, in the furnace area or whatever. Um, yeah. And they're all pretty, like, joyous. Like, none of them seem, like, angry or resentful of Iboshi because it seems like she's somewhat of a good leader to them. It, you know? She doesn't give off, you know, owner. Yeah. Stuff. I mean, she, she, they even are allowed, they're allowed weapons, they're allowed this sort of thing because it's basically freeing them. Like yeah. basically she freed us. So now she's allowed us to become part of this community in which we yeah. share with her. And yeah. Yeah. And um you know it adds I mean it's not it's it adds a lot of complexity to her because it's not like I mean in some ways she is a villain, but I it's not really about that. You know, the film is no. not like okay, this is the good guy, this is the bad guy. It's and as we see, you know, with uh, Ashitaka's kind of go-between-esque role between these two warring factions, we get this clear sense of, like, there's a way to live with each other in harmony, as yeah. you, you know, alluded to in the beginning. And they're, they're so, each of them are so caught up in this, like, wanting this hatred this fierce hatred for each other and just like, I need to kill them. I need to kill them. Yep. They must die. <laughs> they lose sight. They lose sight of um, potential peace between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, and obviously there's, you know, for, for the wolves, the, what are the, what tribe? Moro? Moro tribe? That's the, uh, the wolf mother. Yeah. Yeah. The wolf mother. Um, like you know, there was that conversation that Ashitaka has with one of the wolves, and he, the wolf tells him like, "Well, she she Mononoke, she's not like. She always says I'm not a human. Um, you know, I'm a wolf or whatever. But Ashitaka's like, you are a human. You're not a wolf. But then sometimes says." You're not either one, or is that what other people say about her? She's not either one. That at least that's my contention. Just because I, it's like, um, if you were raised in the in the community, if you are raised a certain way, you become that that sort of part of that community by default. Yeah. Like if I if I were I am a product of my environment, as are all of us. I mean, Mononoke is a product of her environment, therefore she has to be part wolf. Technically, yeah. like physiologically, biologically, she probably is a human. Well, yeah, she is a human. But there's that environmental aspect in which it's like, a, like a prison. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually, that's great. That's a perfect. Yeah. Um, and she 
she plays this yeah she plays the role of the protector of nature and um yeah like the environmentalist um yeah and she at all costs is trying to protect one nature who is in essence kind of her family Mm -hmm. Uh, because all these animals that we see they all speak to each other but they're like not they're not at odds with each other i mean except for like the apes yeah in a way sort of they're just kind of there but they taunt the wolves a little bit you know yeah it's everybody's on edge with each other but no one's really getting pushed yeah yeah and like the boars show up later like later in the film and like you know um you know let us kill who uh let's kill this eboshi woman and the wolves are like no you we can fig- we can do that don't worry about it uh just go back to your part of the forest where you belong sort of thing and yeah they're not that yeah they're never like at odds with each other but they're yeah there's tension there um i don't know if there's like compare if miyazaki's trying to compare different like demographics of humans within those like animal groups there may be i don't know maybe not but yeah i mean that's entirely possible yeah i mean I I do want to come back just a little bit to the the character breakdown kind of of this right. film because we were talking about the um the role of women in the film mm-hmm. and how they are uh, equal present and capable um in my opinion uh yeah. if we're looking at you know the stereotypical dumb character or the buffoon or something like that. Any of those characters are are male. Yeah. The the woman is the smart one. The woman is the cunning one. The the pl- one with the plan. The one with the business. The one with the uh the way to go. Uh, her head is on her shoulders. Um, in Iboshi's uh compound community, everybody's got a part. It's not everybody is active in the labor, either felling trees or working the furnace and it's men or women does not matter you can either either gets to do it and they are equally as important equally as capable in that sense iboshi is a woman and she's running the entire thing it's she's the businesswoman she's the compound leader she is tough and she is smart and she's capable princess mononoke she is uh violent and powerful and strong and and kicking butt in the middle of the forest um i i don't believe that there is i mean i don't believe that there is a weak like weak either physically or weak mentally female character in this film no no there no there isn't I I think that's very cool, especially for either you could say both a film that came out in the '90s, and and had this kind of equality, and also for one that's set in feudal Japan. Yeah, feudal Japan. Yeah, because yeah, like you know, Princess Mononoke or Son. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, she she's basically like Lady Eboshi, but for nature. Like they're direct, they're direct opposites of each other, but like identical in some ways. Um, they both uh, know what they want, and they're gonna do anything and everything they can to get what they want. Um, but they also don't neglect the people around them. Like she, she loves her wolves, her family essentially, and you know and learns to love Ashitaka as he uh, tries to mend these two people together and like try to live make them live in peace and and I think like uh, it's you know that that conflict is at the core of the film the entire runtime up until pretty much the end and it's I don't know thinking about it it's like it's kind of like it's it's kind of maybe cynical in a way to see Ashitaka like constantly tell him like can't you guys just live in peace you know can't you just live like together in harmony all these sorts of things just like stop fighting each other why so hateful um and whatnot like why why is everything gotta be kill 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 uh you must die all the time and you know as much as he tries to beg and plead for them to stop killing each other it doesn't even matter they it's like a lost cause yeah i mean everyone is determined i mean i think that's what makes it a great film it's that Everyone is determined to achieve their goal. Everyone is dead set on completing. There's no negotiating them out of it. Each, every side, the boars, the wolves, the iron town, the samurai, everybody is dead set on what they have to accomplish. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing that will deter them except like death, which, you know, makes it a great film because it's action-based. It's not like it's based on people doing things it's based on nature doing things every force moves a piece in this like massive four-way game of chess and as a result of that new new situations are always presented because each side is moving to accomplish their goal it's entirely based in action it's not like well, time passed, and because time passed, this thing happened. Like, that's a boring. It's a boring movie. Yeah. But with this, it's like you're. It's always changing. You're always on edge because there are so many factors in play. We've no idea what's about who's who's about to move and what's about to happen next. And it makes it real too. It makes it pretty grounded. Um in terms of what Miyazaki is trying to like tell us and what he's trying to say about the film or through the film, like the message is trying to portray. And it takes a miracle to people, you know, for people to realize like, um, or for, for everyone to kind of recognize like, okay, maybe we shouldn't have been doing that, you know? And it's at the end of the film where you know, you see life come back and 
I guess you're it's up to your interpretation whether or not you think everything will go back to normal or things will change. Um I guess that's up to you to think. And but like ooh and what were you saying? No, keep going. And uh no, but um I guess I was going to get ahead of myself and talk about the dear God and all that. I, mean, I was going to talk about, I would like to talk about the ending okay. as well. Because yeah. I want to ask, were you left with a, what kind of feeling were you left with? Was at it the, like relief? Like at the very end? I mean, very I, end. I was, I was like, uh, I was moved. Um, I guess I felt I wasn't sad. I was like happy. Um I I I guess I felt like um finally this is turning a new leaf. Like things will change. It won't be the same anymore. Yeah. Like everything's been restored. Yeah. You know, nature's but- nature's back. Right. But it wasn't like sad or relieved or happy because one side won and one side didn't. Because yeah. I, I, I am in the same boat there. Because it, no one actually, I mean, very, I, I think very few, but no one really achieves their goals in this film. Yeah. If we want to be, if I want to be honest about it. Like, I don't believe that anyone is has truly succeeded in what they want. Yeah. Um, samurai all die. They literally all die. Samurai all die. Emperor doesn't get the head of the deer god. Um, they have to give it back. Um, Aboshi doesn't take out the wolves. The wolves don't take her out. Uh, they don't... Uh, San and the wolves don't protect the deer god. I mean, I guess you could, you should, you could say Ashitaka gets rid of the curse, but like, that's not really the driving force. I mean, that's just why he's not in his home. Yeah, that's why he's it's there. Not, it's not really his goal. I mean, it is his goal, but it's not like. He, but it, he, it, it, well, it was his goal at first, but then it changes after yeah. he, after he meets, and learns about what the heck's going on that in that region. He's like, okay, I need to help these people out and like try to find some sort of level ground with these people exactly uh, but yeah i mean because he gets so you know he gets the curse and he goes on this journey and he runs into the ironworks because he saved he saved a couple of men um on the side of the road and he you know he leads them through the forest and him and Iboshi have a conversation and uh he just kind of he leaves he leaves the compound to go find um San and the wolves and the well most importantly the deer the god the deer god or god of deer deer of god deer god dear god dear god <laughs> Tristan, how do you not remember? It's the dear God, dear God. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, they were. He runs into Mononoke. 
they almost kill him. What ha- what happens in their first interaction? I forget. Between Oh no, no, no. Wait, because as the time he was leaving, San was attacking the compound and then he guns he goes back, right? And tries and saves her. He I don't think I don't believe that he saves her. He just sees her at the at the, the river and then they kind of just part ways. Um he because he's taking care of the two wounded folks from the compound. No, 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 no. That, that's after he arrives at the compound and talks to oh, oh. Then he leaves, and then he and then he sees uh, modern or San at the compound, and he's like, "Okay, I need to help her out. I need to like save her." Yeah, that happens right after he's he left the compound, because then he goes back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's not the first time that he sees. The oh, yeah, 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 that's that's true. That's true. But yeah. you're you're right. I mean, she is she is moved because, and she decides to trust him because he basically healed like, after getting shot. Yeah, he got shot through like the bullet went through his body. Like, Fully. Kept walking, but dude. Dude, he gets shot and keeps walking like nothing happened. Like, dang, man, he's got that Superman strength. <laughs> um, and uh, oh, shout out to the elk too. Yakul, Yukul, Yakulu, Yukul, Yukul. Shout out to the elk, man. He's a real one. That is <laughs> loyal, most loyal animal. I'm so happy that it doesn't talk. I know. It's <laughs> like the only thing that may I'm so happy that it's not like, oh, it's the sidekick animal and also it talks, by the way. <laughs> Your god doesn't talk either. I mean, that's true, but also like you kind of get a sense of what the dear god wants. Yeah. Hence the massive blob of gelatin killing everything in sight. <laughs> because it wants its head back you know with with the elk he's kind of you with yukul he's kind of just he's there yeah. and he's chilling and he's with with ashitaka for the the long haul yeah but like, it's not like his needs are you know super fleshed out <laughs> thank <Yeah>. god <laughs> um but yeah the man gets shot and you know, Mononoke saves him, heals him, the dear god heals him, and then then we get into, like, kind of the final, the like, the last couple of acts leading into the climax of the film. And, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess what, what really, like, is the most amazing part of the film is just the visuals and um like how visceral they can be in terms of when the they're like fighting each other and you know i like this film is violent yes very violent and i've seen a, like several miyazakis 
I haven't seen Howl's Moving Castle and um, Kiki's Delivery Service, mm-hmm. Ponyo, and The Wind Rises, but I've seen everything else. I think I have seen Ponyo also when I was in like the third grade or something oh, like yeah. that. <laughs> um, but like the other film that's like somewhat comparable to this violence is Porco Rosso. But even then, that's not like to this level. Um, and I was watching with Mackenzie and, we, and she was like, this is not for kids. Nope. Like, I was like, nah, I need to watch this. Like at the beginning of the film, <laughs> like when the demon hog shows up uh, and she's like, yeah, it's not for kids. I'm like, I mean, it yeah, could be for kids. Bad. It's not that bad. And then like 10 minutes later, we see a f- samurai get beheaded by an arrow. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's just not for kids. <laughs> There's probably a reason this wasn't making it into the uh, the the VCR player of the Rolly TV cart that comes into the room. <laughs> <laughs> there was good reason for it. I'm like, dude, it's it's you know, it's Miyazaki. It's his films aren't. I mean, his films are certainly like more geared towards adults, but. I mean, it's kids can watch it and be moved by it. I think. I mean, it's not like I don't think a kid could watch it and be confused, you know. Right. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm overestimating the intelligence of children, but I mean, Frozen <laughs> could get to that point if Elsa just you know made that icicle go a little bit further and just go right into the guy's throat and just. You know, just leave him freezing and stuck with like, you know, bloody ice. That's just such a visual. Visual. I mean, I guess Disney wanted to be like, oh, we want, we want good characters. We want it to be PG. We want kids to come and see this movie. Woo! Come on, just well, this is have Elsa finish the job, and then you've just basically got. <laughs> the job. Yeah, I mean, come on. Elsa's a strong female character. I mean, yeah. she... You're telling me she doesn't want to just, you know, find Hans and just go impalement? <laughs> like, I get that her, her whole arc is about love, but, like, come on. He's got sideburns. Get rid of him. But, uh... But this is his only PG thirteen film. Everything else PG for Miyazaki. I'm pretty sure. Um, but just... yeah, very violent, very visceral imagery, and you know, I I'm left in awe of like the the way. And I mean, again, I've said I'm sounding like a broker record at this point, but like the visuals, the visuals, dude, the visuals. Yeah. It's, I mean, wow. Um, like the the way that, like the deer god, like his different forms, you know, as a night walker, that giant, kind of translucent esque looking glass like gelatin thing that is like glowing. Um, and it's like so stunning. It's so beautiful. 
and then and then it transforms into the deer form and then you see its face and it's kind of like goofy looking that was funny that at that 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 was that was a little like like <laughs> it's a little goofy i was really waiting for it to make a face at me i was really scared about that like yeah. it's um you know i apologize uh to any listeners you won't be able to see what i'm about to do but it's like the, the majestic deer with so many antlers and then it turns and its face is just <laughs> and it's it's just you know yeah. Yeah. weird it's odd it's different it's humanoid <laughs> yeah yeah it is it's it looks like a tribal mask yeah yeah um but i think you know like that final sequence of like the whole battle raging between the the boars and the Iboshi clan and like it was a trap they blow all the boars up like that whole sequence was kind of terrifying i mean it was wow um just like the indiscriminate like killing of life you know it's crazy to see that and then, you know, we see all the hunters following Okoto, Okota, Okotoa. The a little tiny? No, no, no. The big white boar, the leader of the boars. Okoto. Yeah, Okoto. And he he's, because the demon comes from hatred. Because that's what spawns the demon, is hatred. Pure, unbridled hatred. And he's he's like dying the dude's like on his last legs of life and he's walking to the forest to get healed by the deer god and then they, and as he's doing this um he's getting filled with hatred the demon comes out of him and it looks terrifying i mean you got blood coming out of all all of him you got those like gelatin tubes coming out of him like that is like the bright red um and san is on her is on the the boar she's getting like suckered into him from the tubes and like the hunters are surrounding them and i'm like oh my gosh they're gonna die they're gonna die and then and then the deer god appears ashitaka comes out of nowhere it's like everyone is here and it's about to go down and it does go down and it goes down very bad, very fast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Your God shows up. He's walking on water. He's like Jesus. And he gets shot in the head. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's it. And then he's like, no, I'm good. Keeps walking. Like nothing happened. And then is about to heal uh yeah he's about to heal otaka or whatever but they die he kills them he kills the boar and the mom wolf he doesn't heal them yep Uh, and then he transforms to transforms into his nightwalker form and then uh he gets shot in the head again the head falls off and all hell breaks loose and he turns into this death blob blob. literally anything he touches dies it doesn't matter what it is it dies and um 
he is trying to find his head because uh, that's what he needs to turn back into the deer god. Although he's still a deer god, he just needs a, needs it back to stop being death. Bro, calm down. You've lost your head. <laughs> you see what I did there? You see what I did there? It's it's that like really cyclical nature in that it gives life or death. Or maybe not an or, but maybe an and. It gives life and it gives death. Yeah. Um, because the blob does kill most of the forest and everything that it touches. But also as it is, once its head is returned, it then allows new growth to take form and new new plants to take root. And it, end, it doesn't end with a gray hellscape of dead trees and boars and everything like that. It ends with flowering and grass and 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 bloom and growth um, life that comes back yeah exactly right um and uh yeah but like that whole that whole like fine because that final sequence i mean that was going long I was like, dang, this is going on for a long time. And it's like, dude, this this uh this hunter guy, the short dude, who wears sandals with um like a like a plank of wood underneath. Like he's walking on still. You know, I'm like, <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. What are those? But all right, hey, they work, I guess. Um, needed some lifts and then uh, yeah and so he's like trying to run away with the head and then the blob comes and gets it but just before they all die Ashitaka the princess they grab the head and they're like hmm they're like troning it. They're troning the head. You know how in Tron they gotta to get out of the game. They gotta lift their user disc up into the light, and so they like go up. You know. Maybe I'm gonna you. nod. I'm just gonna nod. <laughs> You're on a roll. Keep going. <laughs> and then we see this giant explosion of light occur immediately once the blob comes in contact with its head, and then. It's like peace. Life comes back. Everything is okay. And uh, I mean, Miyazaki's like, guys, guys, look, look. Like, stop destroying Earth, okay? It's beautiful. It's amazing. Um, just, you know, keep it, like, sustain it. Because it's, I think, I think what the film is saying at least what I, you know, what I think is saying is like, we as humans, we have the power to destroy it, but also the power to maintain it. And it's our responsibility to keep it alive and to, you know, one, not destroy it, not take it for granted, but to make it thrive. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean like, we are supposed to, you know, not advance um but to live in peace and i think you know because this is like a thread of his 
kind of like a more of his um philosophy of life with Miyazaki he's a pacifist he's he's an anti-imperialist so like with you know with the with the increasing passage of technology it's always about weapons it's always about you know these tools to kill other humans and it's not about you know creating technology to make our lives better and that's something you know you kind of see in his in his filmography um when it when it comes to films that deal with that uh, that sort of thing because you know not all of his films are about death and war uh but it's very clear in this film i think that you know miyazaki's like look we can advance technology but it's not for these means not for these not for these goals it's not about the best um musket it's not about having the best weapon to kill more efficiently and like that's not what it's about um, yeah and it's like humans get in their own way of progress you know so right and i do want to just bring in like one sort of final thought about the whole film like the title it is titled princess mononoke there is no character that is referred to regularly as princess mononoke that is a, a title given by lady Eboshi to sam or san sorry but uh it's not like it's not it's not like her name it's not something that that she was deemed or given or bestowed upon her but in in doing a little research on on the term it, mononoke are and there's a bunch of different possibilities which i think is is pretty cool that it's not just like it's oh cat one word easy um they are uh, mononoke is either a vengeful spirit dead spirit live spirit or a spirit in japanese literature that could possess individuals check make them suffer check cause disease check or even cause death check so a mononoke could be that demon that, that is bred out of hatred that infects um nago the uh the first boar who infects um ashitaka who um uh takes on okoto and 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 it, just really destroys a lot of everybody from the inside with that overwhelming hatred. But it's also, it can also refer to change and a changed being, a modified being, which I think is why A, it refers to San and B, why it is the title of the film. Because not only is San not human, but not wolf, um, that she's been altered by her environment. She is that modified um, being that has lived both and has the both the skill sets of both. But also, she's kind of like this this guide to the little um, spirits, and I'm going to forget their name. I want to say it's like the Kobana or something like that. The little white uh, people looking things with the holes on their face and the heads do the rotation that are really cool the the spirits of the forest that kind of make it show that it's a it's healthy and thriving um because she is her one of her main goals is being out for revenge 
and to exact justice and, and take life. But she also wants to preserve life. And there's that, that dichotomy that I think maybe lends the name of the film to an either or, life and death. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately, the, the choice is choose life over death. Exactly. Don't take lives away. Yeah. Um, I mean, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, it is very good. It's so good. Um, man, so this is like the only one you've seen in the past 10 years, over a decade? At least, yes. <laughs> you gotta you gotta rewatch some. Gotta I, watch. I do. They're all on... HBO. I think they're all on me. Yeah, they're all. <laughs> Just, see, I I gotta do that because you know, otherwise, <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> they're all on me, and I think that's how we'll how how we can end that. Yeah, I thought you froze. I was like, oh god, no. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh no, we better not lose connection now. We just did a whole episode. <laughs> oh boy um but no thank god that didn't happen. yeah thank god um <laughs> it's on you it's on max not my fault and um yeah yeah studio ghibli miyazaki i mean hey i'm looking forward to this new film i know a lot of people would be if they knew about it because I don't think a lot of people do know about it. Um, did you know about it before I told you? Like what? Studio Ghibli? His new film, Miyazaki's I, Life. I knew it existed. I actually didn't know it had a title. Oh, okay, okay. I knew I knew there was a film being released. I see, I see. I just knew nothing about it at all. I see. Yeah, but the boy and the heron. Oh man, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, that's gonna be contender for film of the year. You know, you already know it is. I mean, it's a Miyazaki. It's his last. What? It's twelve last film since Ponyo, right? I think it is. No, when the wind rises, the wind rises. Yeah, that's that's that. That was 2013. So it's been a long time. Ten years. Damn. Dang, ten years, man. That's crazy. Yeah, but it's also his his twelfth feature. Well, film. The last film too. Because he's old. The man's getting old. Oh, he's been What old. do you mean old? He's only 82. Yeah, he's a young buck. Man's man's in the prime of his life. Hey. <laughs> He looks pretty. Oh, okay, wait. I was about to say he looks pretty young, but and then I realized, oh, this picture is from 2012. Oh, this one? Oh, you can't even see. Hold on. When he was a spry 72. Is that this? Yeah, that one. That one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he looks good. He looks good for his age in that picture. Yeah, but he's he's about given about 10 years, and that's what he actually looks like. I mean, what a, you know, his art, what a gift that he's been able to give us over the course of his career. 
you know, his, his, uh, all of his films. Cause I mean, every one of them is just teeming with love, passion, like incredible amounts of imagination. And just like, like there's a, there's like a purity to them, you know, that are, that's really unmatched. Like he is, he is like a very, I, I, I know I would say like he's one of these like very unique filmmakers where he can just I, I, honestly I think he is the only filmmaker to do this sort of thing what he's done um, I mean you know Disney's made great films like Pixar and whatnot but I mean in comparison to the stuff that he's made I honestly don't think it holds a candle to his work um i mean maybe a few pixar films are like as good as some of his stuff but i mean the dude the dude is a master of animation and of cinema and storytelling um yeah the dude the dude's amazing and we're gonna get his last film. You know, we we gotta cherish that because no more after that. Turn the light on. It's so dark. Agreed. But yeah, that has been uh, Princess Mononoke. Go yeah. watch. You know, maybe maybe you're just on a bender. Maybe you just have a weekend at home, and you're like, "Gosh, I could really do for some good animation." And you can just be like, "Oh, I'll just I'll just watch." all studio ghibli films problem solved there's a weekend plan for you you could be my like my sister and try to watch all seven no all eight harry potter films in one one 24 hour period which is possible is hard and has been done that's what like like 16 hours worth of footage yeah it's only 19 hours <laughs> only 19 yeah all you gotta do is stay up have a stockpile of dino nuggets and then you're all set to go but you know you could you can go through you can watch howl's moving castle you can watch my neighbor totoro you can watch ponyo you can watch spirited away you can watch princess bun okay all back to back to back to back to back to back and have a great time yeah yeah <laughs> but but yeah that's that's princess mononoke i mean i'm a fan i loved it oh amazing i mean Incredible. I can't wait till we like talk about more of his other works in the future. Cause like, yeah, I mean, I love talking about his films. I think it's amazing. Um, but yeah, that's uh, been Princess Mononoke, Hayao Miyazaki, Cinematic Odyssey, Max and Tristan. Till next week, forever. <laughs> <laughs>